Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. Psalm 106, verse 8. Nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make his mighty power to be known. I'm going to talk to you for a few moments today on this thought, namesake. Namesake. If you have your Bible, can you put it down on the chair right next to you and lift up your hands and your voices one more time in the room? Father, I love you. Jesus, I give you praise and I give you glory. We give you honor. We need you to move in this room, God. I pray you soften our hearts. Let us hear your word. Let us be changed by you today. Hallelujah. God, you're everything we need. God, I thank you for your namesake, God. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. How many know who LeBron James is? Yeah. LeBron James is a professional basketball player, believed to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Six foot eight, 250 pounds of muscle. Woo, that's a big guy. But he's fast and he's versatile. He's impossible to stop when he's speeding down the court like a freight train. Listen to these uh, awards he's had. He's a four-time NBA champion. Four-time NBA Finals Most Valuable Player. Four-time NBA Most Valuable Player. 17-time NBA All-Star. Three-time NBA All-Star MVP. Six-time NBA All-Defensive Selection. Rookie of the Year. All-Rookie First Team. NBA Scoring Leader. NBA Assist Leader. Olympic gold medal winner, uh, 2012 USA Basketball Male Athlete of the Year. Those are just a few of his awards. Then when you consider the stat lines that he puts up in every season and, and the amount of dominance he has in every game, it elevates him to another level. He widely is considered as the only basketball player who could ever truly challenge Michael Jordan as the greatest player to ever play the game. He has created a legacy that will be hard for anyone to follow. He's a once-in-a-generation type of player. LeBron's son is 16 years old, and his name is LeBron James Junior, And already he's a basketball standout in his own right. And through media attention of his father, all the eyes are automatically drawn to LeBron James Jr. Will he be as great as his father is? LeBron was asked a few questions by the media about his son. And he made the comment, I regret giving my son my name. Why did he regret naming his son LeBron James Jr.? It's because with his name comes an expectation to be great. It's a lot of pressure to put on a 16-year-old. It's one thing to hold his last name, but to carry his namesake. 
Everywhere he goes, he's going to be asked, are you LeBron James' son? No matter where he goes and what he chooses to do in his life, he won't ever be able to hide from who he is. He doesn't have a name like Timothy James. You would never, to, never think to ask Timothy James who his father was, but by naming a son LeBron James Jr., you're going to ask, are you LeBron's son? By giving your namesake, no matter where he goes, people will always ask him that question. With that namesake, with a namesake like Willie Mays Jr. or Hank Aaron Jr. comes an expectation that whatever you choose to do in your lifetime, if it's anything less than great, you're not reaching your highest potential. Because being LeBron James Jr., you have access to the best education, the best training, the best coaches. You have access to the greatest tools and the most resources. You have access to the best there is of anything you'll ever need to be the greatest of whatever you're trying to be. And because of that, you live with high expectations every single day. There is power in a name. The word of God also puts a lot of importance behind a person's name. In Jewish culture, it was believed that you must first know a person's name before you could know the person themselves. So their name gave them their identity. They become and would reflect the character of what it was their name meant. It was normal and typical that the mother would name the baby. And it was taken very seriously. And most of the time that name would carry a very special significance to the family. In Bible times it wasn't uncommon to see someone change or alter their name. It happened, and when it did happen, it usually signified a drastic change in the person's character, or they experienced a life-altering moment. It wasn't because someone thought to themselves, I look like an earl. My hair has that earl type of flair. So I think I'm going to change my name to Earl. No, it, it wasn't just because of that. It wasn't because they hated the sound of their name or they thought that being named something else would sound cooler. No, but when, when someone changed their name, it was a reflection of drastic changes in their character or in their life. Naomi, whose name means sweet, requested a name change to Mara, which meant bitter. She made the request because of the troubles that were weighing on her and facing her in her life. There was a change of character in Naomi. Saul, the persecutor of the Christians, he hated the people of God. This man, he had an interesting name situation. Saul actually carried a dual name, a Hebrew and a Greek name. And when Saul was converted to Christ, he chose to go by his Greek name and this Gentile name called Paul. And he became the apostle of the Gentiles. As Saul, he was named after the first king of Israel from the tribe of Benjamin, which Saul belonged to. He was a man of authority who hated Christians. Then Paul is converted to Christ and he moves from Saul and embraces this name Paul, which in the Greek means little or small. 
1 Corinthians 15 and 9, Paul said, I am the least of the apostles. Am I not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God? As Saul, he was holier than thou, son of Pharisees, that despised and hated Christians and was more religious than everybody else. But as Paul, he called himself the very least and unworthy. When his character became of man of humility, his name followed suit. Abram means exalted father. But God changed his name to Abraham, the father of many. Jacob means the deceiver. But after an encounter with God, the Lord changed his name to Israel, one who struggles or wrestles with God. Simon in the Greek meant hearing. And Jesus changes his name to Cephas, also known as Peter, which is translated rock. Jesus would birth in Peter a new identity. And a name is just that. It's identity. Rachel in the Old Testament went through a difficult birthing process with her son. So she originally named him Benjamin, Benoni. She originally named Benjamin Benoni, which means son of sorrow. After the Ark of the Covenant had been captured and her husband was killed in battle, the wife of one of Eli's sons went into labor and she named her son Ichabod, which meant the glory of God has departed. You see, your name carries identity. And with that identity comes expectations of what you're going to achieve and what you're going to become. Simon Peter, I call you rock because on this rock, here's my expectation. Here's what I'm believing. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's my expectation for you, Peter. You are going to be strong and you're going to be influential. You're going to be the foundation in which this church is founded and hell can't stop it. That's my expectation for you, Cephas. That's my expectation for you, Peter. That's what I believe you're going to become. And so it happened just like that. According to his new name, Peter would deliver in the book of Acts the message that the New Testament church was founded on and that message is still alive today many have tried to stop it but every time hell comes against it it fails why because on this rock I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it so here's what we understand names are powerful Names are powerful. Having a good name can influence one's identity and their purpose. So if names matter that much to God, what name has God picked out for you? That's the question. What name has he picked out for you? For all the power that rests in a name, what did he select for you? The word of God is full of these name changes, name change after name change. We see identities and expectations given through names all across this book. So surely he's got a name picked out for you and it would be listed here as well, right? 
But the thing is, when I search for that name that God's picked out for me, that name he's picked out for you, I notice something interesting, something important for us to know. It's not a name like Paul, and it's not a name like Peter. Here's what I see in Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. But if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye, ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Here we go. Ready? Here's the name. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the, they are the sons of God. Mm. For you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so, that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. 2 Corinthians 6 and 18. And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Wait a minute, Timothy, that's not a name. Roger's a name. Herman's a name. Gloria's a name. Jane is a name. Son's not a name. And you're absolutely right. But what makes this moment even more powerful than a name change? What makes it even bigger than a name change? You see, names are powerful, that's for sure. But what God is giving you today is something even more powerful, even bigger, more massive than a name change. He's giving you his namesake. What's that, Timothy? A namesake is when somebody gives their name to another to carry. It's when you're given the identity of another. Simon was changed to Peter. That was a name change and that was powerful. But LeBron James gave his son the name LeBron James Jr. And that's a name sake. That means everywhere he goes, he's representing his dad. Everywhere he goes, he's expected to walk in his dad's authority. Woo! Everywhere he goes, he's expected to carry his father's attributes. He's expected to have the greatness of his father. Mm -hmm. Everywhere his son goes, he takes the name of his father with him. When he's on the basketball court, he's expected to be the best. When he's in the team timeout, he's expected to be the leader. When the team needs somebody to shoot the game winner with three seconds left in the game, he's the one they expect to take the shot. Why? Because, he's, because of the name he carries. He has access. He has access to the best trainers, the best programs, the best resources, the best tools. He has everything he needs. It's understood. He's been prepared for this moment. It's assumed he's going to walk in the authority of his father because he carries.
carries the name with him. Can I tell you this morning, God didn't give you just a name change, as powerful as that would be, but God's given you something bigger. He's given you his name sake. That means everywhere you go, you represent the name of Jesus. Everywhere you go, you're expected to walk in your father's authority. You're expected to reflect the father's attributes. You've got everything you need. You have access to everything you need. You need peace, you've got access. You need joy, you've got access. Lift your hands, lift your voices all across the room. I wish a son or daughter of God would get excited right now because you've got everything you need to make it through the storm. You've got everything you need to make it through the fight. You're going to be okay because you carry the name. Everywhere you go, you take the name of your father with you on your job, in your school, in your family, around your friends. There's an expectation you're going to walk in authority. When storms come against you, when storms come against the lives of those you love, when storms come wrecking into your life, even the lives of the ones you work with every day, hey, you have an expectation that to be the one who stands up and says, in Jesus' name, healing come. In Jesus' name, restoration comes. There's authority in the name. You carry the name of the one who's already calmed the storm. That's how you can speak it. You carry the name of the one who's already healed the sick and the diseased, where every stripe on his back, who's already healed reputations. You carry the name of the one who's already brought families back together and restored homes and given hope to the hopeless and life to the lifeless. There's expectation uh, to those around you that you're prepared for this moment. You've been prepared to speak faith to doubt. You've been prepared to pray right here, right now. You carry the namesake. Colossians 2 and 12, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. Galatians 3 and 28, there is neither Jew or Greek, neither bond nor free. There's neither male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. I carry his name. John chapter 1, 12 and 13, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. The power to be a son of God. In the midst of the enemy's attack, it's believed that you are going to hold on, that you're not going to give up. There's an expectation you can just, you can make it through. You can weather this storm. Oh, the enemy would like you to believe that you don't have what it takes. Oh, but if I could remind somebody, you carry the name. You have everything it takes. It's already in you. There's an expectation that you're not going to throw in the towel. That you're not going to give up. Why? Because you carry his name.
namesake. Mark 16, 17 and 18. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Shall they cast out devils? Shall they speak with new tongues? Shall they take up serpents and drink any deadly thing and it shall not hurt them? They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's assumed that the enemy's not going to get the best of you. That the temptation isn't going to be too much. That the internal wounds by others and offenses from what this person said or that person said aren't going to get the best of you and cause you to walk out bitter. Why? Because I carry the namesake. You say, oh, but you don't know what he said to me. You don't know what they said to me. It hurt my feelings. I'm not going to recover from this. No. If you realize and remember who you are. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of God. I've got what I need to make it okay. You've been clothed with strength of your father. Somebody realized today everything you need to survive this moment is wrapped up and found in the identity you have in Jesus. Your victory, it's in the name you carry. Your strength, it's in the name you carry on your shoulders. If you carry the namesake, you carry what you need to win this fight. The enemy would love nothing more than for you to forget who you are. To forget the name on the back of your jersey. The name that you walk under. The name that you represent. The name that gives you authority. The family in which you belong to. The royal blood that flows through your veins. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you're royalty. Turn to your other neighbor and tell them we're royals. Daniel chapter 1, verse number 3. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, and he said, Bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish. Well-favored, skillful in all wisdom, cunning in knowledge and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace of whom they might teach the learning of the tongue of the Chaldeans. King Nebuchadnezzar here, he's asking his team not just to bring him anyone. He says, I want you to bring me the king's seed. And then he says, bring me the children of the royal family of the children of Israel. Bring me the royalty of the children of God. Can I tell somebody the enemy is after the next generation? The enemy's whole strategy is to steal the next generation. If he can steal the next generation, if he can steal our students, he stops the future of the church. Students, do you realize there's a war for you? There's a war over you. Verse 5. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years. And at the end thereof, they might stand before him the king. Now among these were the children of Judah. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Watch this. Verse number 7. Unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave name. For he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah the name Abednego. The fight for the next generation is over identity. 
The fight for you is over who you are. Have you seen the news lately? If ever there was a generation that struggled to find their identity, to realize who they really were, it's the generation right now. It's the generation right now that can't figure out their purpose. King Nebuchadnezzar says, bring me the royals. Bring me the children and we'll change their name and we'll change their identity. You see, the enemy understands your name is at the center of who you are. King Nebuchadnezzar wanted to change their names before he did anything else because he had a problem with their name. The problem was their name had to do with the namesake of the one true living God. Daniel means God is my judge. Hananiah means Yah has been gracious. Mishael means who is what God is. Azariah means Yah has helped. And then you consider the new names that King Nebuchadnezzar tried to give to them. For it was from Daniel to Belteshazzar. You know what that means? It means Bel will protect you. That's a Babylonian God. And then from Hananiah, he named him Shadrach. That means inspired by a coup, another Babylonian God. And then Mishael to Meshach, which means belonging to a coup, a Babylonian God. From Azariah to Abednego, which means servant of Nego, another Babylonian God. Those are the meanings centered on the false idols. Can I tell you, mom and dad, there's a fight right now for your children. Oh, I wish I had a mom and dad who got upset that the enemy's trying to affect their identity. I wish I had a mom and dad who could stand up and say, I'm not going to let the enemy tell my son and my daughter who they are. I'm not going to let them speak over your life. You matter too much. You're the future of the church. Oh, somebody lift your hands, lift your voices. I dare a mom and dad to go to war for a few moments. Hey, hey, I'm not going to let them be redefined by the world. I'm not going to let the enemy tell them who they are. I'm going to speak over them the word of the Lord. I'm going to speak over them their namesake. Can I tell somebody, don't let culture tell you who you are. Don't let this world tell you your name, your identity. Don't trade your namesake for anything this world has to offer. Don't let Kendrick or J. Cole or Travis Scott, don't let Drake, don't let Lil Nas X tell you who you are. Don't let Hollywood, don't let culture tell you what you are. No, find who you are in the namesake. Find your purpose in the namesake. Find your victory in the name. Hallelujah. Lift your voices all across the room. I'm not going to let the next generation die. I'm not going to let the next. Hey, the church is going to keep moving. The church. Can I tell somebody you're more than just a number that the world speaks over you. You're more than just an object of somebody else's affection. You're called with a purpose. Student, you're called to change the world for the glory of God. You're anointed mom. You're anointed dad. You have a mission. 
you are royalty. Turn to your neighbor, say, we're royals. Turn to your other neighbor, say, I'm a royal. I dare somebody today. I dare somebody to tell the enemy, I know who I am. I know who I am. I know who I belong to. I know the power I walk in. I know the authority I have. I walk in my God. I walk in identity. I walk in purpose. I carry the name. I carry the name. I wonder if somebody can get excited because you know who you are. You know who he spoke. My namesake's not for sale. My name isn't for trade. I'm out of breath. The world is full of people who don't realize their true identity as a child of God. Yet they search this world over, trying to find who they are, trying to find purpose, trying to fill a longing inside. All the while, the enemy's speaking lies over them. Enemy's speaking lies over you and me, creating false identities for us to live in, naming you a failure, naming you a liar, naming you abused. Naming you broken, naming you an addict, trying to make sure you live your life by the name the enemy calls you. But my God, I'm not who he says I am. I'm a child of the king. I'm not who he says I am. I'm not broken, I'm healed. I'm not shattered. I'm whole. I'm not depressed. I've got joy. You say, oh, but you don't know what I'm feeling. No, but I'm trying to remind you what you've got access to. I'm trying to tell you what you have access to. You say, I battle depression. I'm battling low self-esteem. Remember who you are. Remember the name you carry on the back of your jersey. A couple chapters after King Nebuchadnezzar tried to change their identity. He constructed a massive golden idol. And he said, gather all the royals, all the high-ranking positions across the land. Have them come before this idol. As they were gathered, the king shouted, when the band starts to play, I want you to fall and worship this idol that I've created. Verse number six, and whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of burning fiery furnace. It's a pretty big, it's a pretty big deal. 
you don't bow, you're going to burn. And so the band plays. All the royals are gathered. These Hebrew children are gathered. Here's what happens. Verse 12. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, king, they've not regarded you. They serve not your gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded, bring me Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. So here they are gathered. Here's this idol. The band plays. Everyone bows. These three don't. These three don't. King's furious, mad, upset. All right, well, we're going to throw you in this fiery furnace. Verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, is this true? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, do not you serve my gods, nor worship this golden image that I've set up? Now, if ye be ready, that at the time ye hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, all the kinds of music, you fall down and you worship this image I've made. Well, but if you worship not, you're going to be cast the same hour into this mist of a burning fiery furnace. I don't think you got that, Hebrew children. And, and who is this God that's going to deliver you out of my hand? Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They answered the king on Nebuchadnezzar. I love it. We are not even careful to answer you in this matter. I know you tried to rename me, but I'm not afraid to tell you who I am. I know you tried to speak something different over my life, but I'm not afraid to tell you what I represent. You trying to tell me I'm a failure, but I'm here to tell you I'm going to succeed. You've come to tell me I'm broken, but I've come to tell you the namesake I carry says I'm healed. I'm not careful to answer you in this matter. You may be seated. And if it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from a burning, fiery furnace. And so he'll deliver us out of your hand. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve your gods. Nor will we worship the golden image. We're not who you say we are. I know who I am. Somebody tell the enemy, I know who I am. Woo. I feel in the Holy Ghost, the enemy's been trying to tell you who you are. I need to remind you, you're a son and you're a daughter of the king. Understand, you are royalty today. The Hebrew children, they didn't bow. Not only did they not bow, they said, we're not afraid of you. You know what that tells me? That tells me no matter what the enemy says, they didn't forget who they were. They knew all along what their names were. Never for a moment did they believe they were who the enemy said they were. 
You don't have to believe what the enemy speaks over your life. You don't have to believe you are what he says you are. You don't have to live in fear of the enemy. Verse 19. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury. And the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more. Seven times more than it was to be heated. That's hot. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, verse 23... They fell down into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. You know, the Bible says the fire was so hot, it killed the guards that threw them in. Yeah. Here's what happens. So they throw them in. They fall in the midst of this fiery furnace. Verse 24. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished. And he rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, did not we cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? The answer said, yeah, came true. The three were thrown in. He answered, said, well, why do I see four men and they're loose walking in the midst of the fire and they're saying they have no hurt and the fourth is like the son of God. Verse 26, then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, ye servants of the most high God, come forth, come hither. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth out of the midst of the fire. Woo! If you lose the realization of who you really are as a child of God, you'll walk into the fire not knowing you already have everything you need to stand in the midst of the fire. If you forget who you are, if you allow the enemy to tell you who you are when you're thrown in the fire, you won't realize you already have everything you need to survive. Can I tell somebody in this room today, you're already prepared for the fire you're standing in right now. Can I go a little further? Not only do you have what you need for the fire, but if you look close enough, you'll see there's another in the fire. Can I tell you, you're not in the fire alone. You're not going to... You're not walking alone. If you look closer, not only are you standing there in the fire, but there's another one standing with you. Bands are loosed. Standing, walking, free in a fire. Why? Because of the name you carry. Every hand lifted, every voice to the heavens. You carry the namesake. Stand with me all across the room. Psalm 31 and 3. For thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me, guide me. For your name, I'm going to trust you. Lead me and guide me. Though I might find myself in a path I don't know or understand. 
understand your name is with me your namesake is on me if you've got the name if you've got his blood flowing through your veins then you need to know you're prepared for the fire and don't forget about Daniel a few chapters later a few kings later Daniel finds himself in a rough position with the enemy the enemy who tried to change his name earlier few kings after that Daniel's in a rough situation and now he's being thrown into the den of a lion lions everywhere you know what the Bible says though verse 22 so so the king yells down in the lion's den he said Daniel are you still alive Daniel shouts out my God sent his angel and I shut the lion's mouth that they won't hurt me they won't hurt me and then the king exceeding glad for him commanded that they should take Daniel out of the den so Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God you've got what you need to make it in the fire and you've got what you need to make it in a lion's den You've got what you need to shut the mouth of the devourer. What am I saying? You carry the namesake. And when you carry the reputation of Jesus Christ, you walk in the authority he's called you to be in. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're in a fire or if you're in the flame or if you're in a den of lions. You have what you need. Psalm 106 and 8, nevertheless, he saved them for his namesake that he might make his power to be known. I want you to know today, you've got purpose, you've got life, you've got a place in Jesus Christ. If that's you today, if you feel that, if you feel victory in your heart, why don't you lift up your hands and your voices all across the room? If you know you're a child and you're a son of God, lift your voices all across this place today. And if you need victory, I'm going to encourage everyone in the room, if you would, why don't you take a step out by faith? Why don't you come to the room, to the front this, this morning? And we're going to shout and we're going to rejoice in who we are. Because the enemy is defeated. Because we know we walk in victory. We walk in life. The praise team's going to sing. And they're going to lift their hearts and their voices. And I want you all across the room right now for just a few minutes. Can you lift up your hands? Can you lift up your praise to the Lord? You carry his name.